I've been gone for a week. But here I am back, refreshed from vacation, and I'll tell you all about how refreshing that was. And I'll also go over a host of topics that we missed while I was gone, including tariffs and why they're stupid, the, the, the consequences of tariffs and why they're stupid, 3D printing guns, it's legal, and by the way, there's a friend of the program who uh, is giving away something in regards to that and catching heat. And the death of comedy and satire, that's right, a political commentator, makes a satirical video making fun of a progressive lefty. And the news blows up over a nothing burger. All this and a little more is coming up. Welcome back, week. Did everybody farewell with me being gone for a week? Did anybody Did anybody even really notice that I was gone for a week? Anybody? Did, did any of you? Did any of you have an off week that I was gone? You know, am I that important to you? For real? Am I? Please don't ever tell me if I am because you do not want to give me that power. I don't even want that power. But yeah, so last week I was uh, I was out. Uh, last Friday, not last Friday, two Fridays ago, when I recorded the podcast episode titled uh, "Dog and Pony Show," I believe is what I called it. And you know, I, I know I'm I'm ranting at this point, but that's a testament to how fast stuff happens in this news cycle. Uh, I I know I've talked about that before. I know I've mentioned it before, but. Two Fridays ago, when I recorded Dog and Pony Show, that was about the uh, th- that was about the hearings with Peter Strzok, you know, the FBI agent that was sending text messages about "Don't worry, we'll take him down" during the primaries, referring to now President Donald Trump. Which the whole I mean, the whole hearing was a mess anyway. It was this it was this Dog and Pony Show. It cost who knows how much money it cost to drag that out for how many hours it was going on. And uh, at the end of it, the only thing I could think of was this was a giant waste of time and uh, Peter Strzok is a giant douche because that's how he acted the entire time. He acted like a smug little prick the entire time with this uh, nasty looking grin and attitude on his face. And uh, I mean, it was uh, it was sad. It was sad. It, 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 it made me sad. Made me a sad individual. Even the way that dude talks, man, like, like, I did not and would never compromise my personal political feelings in any FBI investigation. That's, that's how he sounded. Anyway, so that was two weeks ago, and uh, after I finished recording that podcast episode on Friday, it was Friday the 13th, no less. Now I'm diving into personal crap. Uh, You know, I was going on vacation to the beach. Um, If you don't know me, if you've never seen me personally or seen me without my shirt off, when I take my shirt off, people say, hey, you should take your shirt off. 
And if you don't get the joke there, it's because I'm a hairy bastard. I'm Sasquatch, uh, Chewbacca, uh, any form of any super hairy anything. That's what I am. I take my shirt off. I got hair everywhere. Uh, Growing up, growing up, I was a fatty, so I was self-conscious about that. Um, Then I got all this hair. I was self-conscious about all this hair everywhere and um so i was finding you know for a while i didn't care for a while i was like you know it is what it is my you know this is who i am this is who i am and you can't judge me for who i am uh and so i dealt with it but then you know i start like i started getting annoyed by stuff all right um hairy chest is one thing hairy chest you know the ladies tend to like hairy chest my wife doesn't give a damn my wife doesn't give a damn. My wife is probably one of the best people on the face of the planet and doesn't give a damn about that sh- about that stuff. Really. Um, but I, I was feeling uncomfortable and wanted a change and all that, so uh, I kind of went to uh, this place down the street from me that is a, uh, you know, massage place. Uh, it's a massage parlor. It's a place where they do manicures and pedicures and uh, hair removal services. Yeah, I, I think you know where I'm going with this. I uh, I got my back waxed. I got my back, my upper arms, like my shoulders, and um, and my back waxed for the first time ever. Uh, and. Honest to God, you know, 40-year-old virgin actually lies. It's not it's not that bad. It wasn't that bad. I went in expecting the cry. <laughs> I went in expecting, like, halfway through this, you're going to be like, this was the dumbest idea ever and never do it again. Uh, the, the lady that did it, because it's always a lady. It's never a man. It's always a lady. Um, the lady that did it was really quick and efficient with it. And it took, the whole process took maybe a half hour, if that. And um, the worst part wasn't ripping my hair out. Um, The worst part was my back is sensitive and that wax is hot when they put it on. So the worst part that I had was that wax getting spread on my back. That was, that was cringeworthy. But ripping it off, I was just like, oh, ow, ow, eh, mild, eh, whatever. And before I knew it, she was done, and I was on my way. And um, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. It was pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. And I, it, the the other thing too is that I'm such a big, burly, manly man, and all that. I, you know, I expect people to be like, "You got your back waxed, really? It's totally metro of you." Uh, I don't care. I really, you know, I didn't care about the hair on my back, which was, you know, you would need a fine tooth comb to find your way to some skin. That's that's the level that we were at. That's the level that we were at, and long, um, might I add. So uh, I experimented being only half of Sasquatch, and it was pretty good. It's pretty good, and I might actually do that um, on the regular. I you know I don't know, but that was the that was the kickstart to my vacation: pain and suffering. It wasn't that painful or that suffering. Uh, so if you were if you're ever if you've ever been on the cusp or, or, or thinking about it or something, but you're just a little too nervous. I mean, go to I mean obviously don't go to don't go to Bob's hair removal, you know, and he'll be like, you know, all right, lie down on this slat right here, and I'll just get your hair off. 
don't go to one of those places. Go to a place that does it like professionally. That's you know a little upscale, and uh, I think you might have a good experience. But uh, but yeah, that's what I did. I got my back waxed, and it wasn't the worst feeling in the world. There's there's a lot worse that I could think of that I wouldn't want to go through, versus you know, and it was it wasn't that expensive. I think it was like sixty bucks to do my entire back, my shoulders, upper arms, and uh, that. That person probably would have even done part of my sides if I wanted them to do it. And uh, it didn't look that weird either. The way that uh, they did it made it look kind of natural. So, I mean, that was cool. Uh, I could think of better ways to kick off my vacation, but I, I had to do it at some point, and that was the only appointment I could get to do it. So, uh, From there, uh, to Saturday morning, immediately went off to Wildwood with the wife and uh, uh, met her aunt's family down there and rented a... A house, a top floor of a house, um, a block off of the boardwalk, which is just beautiful. It's amazing, man. The fact that you can just... First off, our car was parked. There was no driving last week except meeting up with my brother at Stone Harbor uh, for a day, which I'd never been to that beach, and that was pretty cool going there, uh, hanging out with his family uh, and my family, and my mother was there, so it was like, you know, it was was a little uh, family reunion type thing. Almost. Um, other than driving up to there, there was no driving last week, which was beautiful. The car was parked at the house the whole time. Every morning, getting up, making some breakfast, you know, it was, you know, it's splurge week. It's vacation week. It's splurge week. Bacon goes on the griddle every morning, all right? Pancakes get made every morning. <laughs> that type of, you know, that type of uh, relaxation and splurging that you need, all right? Uh, I took my bike down with me, too, every morning. Not every morning, but, uh, like, every other morning I went and biked uh, the boardwalk in Wildwood, which was uh, pretty fun. It was like an obstacle course on the weekends because there's so many people there biking and walking and, and stuff in the morning that you're doing so much dipping and diving. I mean, it's fun. It's It probably can get a little annoying, but I had fun because I was just taking off at full speed and bobbing in and out of people and... and I was I felt like an X-wing racing towards that 2 meter hole of the Death Star ready to blow it up. That's how I felt. But being two block be, being a block off of the boardwalk is so nice. You get one of those Wonder Wheeler carts that can like traverse the sand and stuff. And pretty much you just wake up, you have breakfast, and then 9 o'clock or so, you're like, hey, let's go to the beach. You throw all your, all your chairs in, uh, your towels, maybe make some food to take with you, throw it all on the Wonder Wheeler with with, with, with uh, your umbrella and all that stuff, and just push it one block up to the boardwalk, and then walk off of the pier, and, and there you're, there's the sand, there's the ocean right there, and you set up shop. And I, every day we stayed on the beach for at least two and a half, three hours if not more. And then when you're done, you, you go right back to the house. You just walk right back to the house, drop everything off, take a shower, feel good, put your clothes on, hit the boardwalk, play games, take stupid old-timey photos, which this year me and my wife did, uh, uh, Steampunk, which came out real nice, so nice, in fact, that we actually bought a picture frame for it and everything. Uh, you go to the, you go to the arcade, Gateway 26, you, you spend... Way more money than than you thought to, but you saved it up all year in a jar, and you don't really even notice that you spent it all, and and you earn something like four thousand some odd tickets, 
and that's how that that was the brunt of vacation. That and drinking lots of beer. There was drinking lots of beer uh, every day, but never getting drunk. Just staying a happy buzzed. It was beautiful, man. And uh, to top all of that off, top all of that off, this po- the, the, this this thing, the subject that I love talking about so much, politics, news. Didn't take in a drop of it while on vacation. Wasn't concerned. All right, CNN blips came up on my phone, you know, every day like they do. Uh, Which, by the way, I think that's automatic. It's an Apple phone, so CNN, like, gets pushed to you uh, through Apple News and all that. But I I was just, I was clearing all notifications of that crap all week. I wasn't really paying attention. That means I came back from vacation and had got slammed as I was trying to catch up with all the news. So uh, we might not uh, we might not cover every little thing that happened. In fact, if you listened in the intro, I, I highlighted a couple of things that I did want to touch up on. And those are the things that I'm going to touch up on. Starting with, how about faux outrage? Faux outrage. There's a commentator of sorts. A, a, I don't know if you could call her a pundit per se, but uh, Allie Stuckey, Allie Beth Stuckey, let's use her full name for the record, she used to work for Glenn Beck on The Blaze, she's done her own thing for quite a while as well, uh, called The Conservative Millennial, and uh, you can follow her on Twitter. You can follow her on Facebook. I believe she has YouTube channels as well. And now she works for Conservative Review TV, CRTV, which carries, um, among other things, Ben Shapiro's show. All right, uh, Louder with Crowder, Stephen Crowder. Uh, so Louder with Crowder should should give it be a dead giveaway that uh, uh, the network itself does comedic approaches to things. And if you follow Allie, Allie is, uh, I think she's 26 years old, so she's a couple years younger than I. And uh, if, But if you follow her, she posts videos all the time. All the time on her social media. She does her own podcast now. And she works on CRTV and does skits and things like that. And she's done them with Ben Shapiro before. She's, did, she's done them on The Blaze before. Uh, so there's nothing new. This is not new territory for her. She takes comedic approaches to things. So there's a, in New York there's a uh, there's a candidate running for uh, what is it? I can't I can't remember if it's Senate or House of Representatives. Okay, congressional congressional candidate uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who is cut from the same cloth I would say as uh, as uh, our old pal. Bernie Sanders, you know, the top tenth of one percent, and uh, and uh, I believe that uh, education should be tuition free, and uh, uh, among other things, uh, I also uh, I also believe that uh, Hillary Clinton uh, kind of stole the, uh, the the Democratic primary from me, um, even though I totally went with it and supported her because. Um, they kidnapped Jane, and they they made me do it. Um, she's that type. She's she's definitely uh, uh, progressive, 
definitely democratic socialist. Oh, that word. Where? Yes, yes, I know, Dr. Franklin, democratic socialist, oh, that word. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Quite possibly. But anyway, um, she had an interview on air with, with somebody. I forget where the interview actually came from. But Allie Beth Stuckey, who obviously, I mean, it's not like she's on nationalized television, syndicated and all this crap. She's up and coming. She 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 appeals to a lesser a less wide audience, right? She decides to take the interview and make a satirical video in which she pokes fun at Ocasio-Cortez by splicing up that interview in with Ali asking questions that were never asked to Miss Ocasio-Cortez. And if you watch the video, it is purely satire. It is it's a stupid, funny video. And the internet, media, the news. There was Washington Post articles posted about conservative commentator posts fake interview video with a potential representative from New York. And Twitter, Twitter probably had by far the worst blow-up of responses. But the fact that news carried this, even Ocasio-Cortez herself tweeted out, They fear me so much that they're now faking interviews with me and passing them off as real. Oh my god, grow up. Oh my god, grow up. The Daily Show. The Tonight Show. Weird Al Yankovic. How many times have you seen actual interviews spliced up in a mocking manner in which they're made fun of by others? Because if you pay attention, the answer is countless. Countless times is it done. But people wanted to take to the internet. The media wanted to take to the internet talking about how this is irresponsible because it wasn't even marked as satire. I, I'm sorry, does everything need a disclaimer stamp in 2018? Is that is that the life that we're living in now? Everything needs a tag on it that says, this is fake. One of the, one of the arguments I saw that Ali retweeted and I couldn't hold myself from replying I, I, I literally I could not stay silent on this aspect of it so here's the tweet thread alright originally tweeted by Alexi McCammond at Alexi on Twitter blue check mark verified alright quote many will not notice that it is spliced People share things without doing research all the time. In the era of fake news, 104 days from an election, we shouldn't force them to do research on something as simple as the veracity of a candidate interview. This is irresponsible at best. Allie retweeted that, saying, quote, If you have to do research to figure out that a video that blatantly absurd is satirical, you shouldn't be on the internet. But I had to chime in. I had to chime in, and my tweet read, quote, Let's break from that real quick. 
This person said people shouldn't be forced to do research. Wrong. Always do research. Take nothing at face value. Check multiple sources. I do not encourage this blatant laziness they're promoting. If you don't research, you don't actually care. Let me repeat myself. In fact, let me repeat myself with absurd sound effects so everybody gets the picture. Yeah, is, is, is this thing on? Yeah? Alright, hey, can you hear me in the back? Alright? If you don't research, you don't actually care. I mean, I seriously, I couldn't... Uh, if you go to Alexi McCammon's Twitter page... At Alexi, she works for Axios. She's a political reporter covering the 2018 midterms. All right, and that that the the tweet that she put out about you know to force people to research, force people to research, force people to research. If you pass around videos, if you just read a headline and click share, all right, or if you just watch a video once through and take everything at face value, you're full. You are a fool. That doesn't mean that I wish the world was this way. But that's that that's the world. That's been the world. That's been life. That's been that's been a, a, a central key in, in human history. People being dishonest about things. People stretching the truth, people presenting things for a narrative. That's the world, baby. Especially, but it was insulting to, to, to read that. Just because if you go and watch the video, just, just Google Allie Beth Stuckey or go on YouTube because you'll find it. It is a goof interview. And you can tell it's a goof interview by watching it. The only difference between Allie Beth Stuckey doing it and... I don't know, The Daily Show doing it, or Weird Al doing it, is that people force a laugh track in there? That That's about it. That's about it. There was nothing, there, there was nothing controversial about it at all. And it's proof. It's verifiable proof that where we're going in this world, when it comes to things like, you know, comedy it's out the window man it's gonna be a very dull unfunny unlaughable world pretty soon because you're not gonna be able to do satire because you know essentially the people are too stupid for that that's the other thing too why would anybody want to defend that line of thinking from this tweeter because essentially it says People are too stupid to know that that was fake and satire unless you label it as such. People are too stupid. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying, more, to, more or less. The people are too stupid. People are too stupid and they will not know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I try to give people more benefit of the doubt than not. I don't just believe 
large sums of people are, are just stupid. Actually, I would be lying by that. I absolutely believe in Tommy Lee Jones' quote from Men in Black, that a person is smart, people are dumb, panicky, and stupid. And you know how I know people are stupid? Now it's time to poke fun at the conservative side of the spectrum, because on this show, we hold no punches. The left blows up over a satirical video, online, faux outrage. How about faux love for tariffs? Faux love. Not for love. Faux. F-A-U-X. Faux. Faux love for tariffs. Because now, Donald Trump is talking about $12 billion in increasing aid to farmers that were pretty much Farming is a tough gig anyway. If you're not some big corporate, subsidized, propped up, corporate, welfare farm. Try being a little man farmer. My friend Tim uh, from Foxwood Farms up in York, PA, he's a small time farmer. And I've, I've been to his farm once. I bought chickens from him. They were some of the best chickens. Tim, if you're listening, I haven't been up there. I know. I'm a bad guy. Uh, it's just because I have not been able to make a two-hour trek uh, up to York, PA uh, in recent months uh, from hectic work schedules, among other things. And I'd still love to have you on the show, man. Uh, I think it would be, I think it would be a good conversation between you and me, more or less. I'd let you do more of the talking, though. Because people get, I'm sure people are just fed up with me at this point. But small-time farming, I mean, you know, that's, it's it's practically a rigged game. It's rigged to keep people out of the farming business. Uh, Some of the hoops that you have to jump through and all that. But instead of stepping back and then looking at the root cause of the problem, what, what helped generate the problem, instead of that... Because this is a game of egos with our president. It's not, you know, oh, the tariffs and the trade wars, they're, they're great. Uh, the fact that these farmers are, are displaced and offset about it. Let's just, you know, we'll give them some, um, we'll give them some federal aid. Like $12 billion so that, um, so that we can keep up with the tariffs. Dumb idea. Dumb idea. How about what Ben Sass said about it? Ben Sass, I love Ben Sass. Quote, this trade war is cutting the legs out from under farmers and White House's plan to spend $12 billion on gold crutches. America's farmers don't want to be paid to lose. They want to win by feeding the world. Government throwing money at a problem that it created. I'd like to read a quick snippet from a political, Politico article by Adam Behusti, Catherine Bordeaux, Helen, Helena Bottom Miller, Evick, and Megan Casella. Quote, However, it is unclear whether the aid will cover many of the price losses that various agricultural sectors are experiencing. For instance, U.S. Meat Export Federation says that the tariffs from Mexico, just one of the nations in the trade war, will lead to more than $835 million in annualized losses for the pork industry. The aid also doesn't address other sectors of the economy that have been hurt by retaliatory tariffs by U.S. 
largest trading partners such as manufacturers, consumers, and industry. Ooh. Trade war. Let's let's do a trade war. Trade wars are great. They're a great way to get what you want. They help. It helps put America first, except when you have to pass $12 billion that you don't freaking have that you're going to borrow from China to pay for the damage done by your trade war. Idiot. Speaking of money the U.S. doesn't have, how about this number, which should make you cringe? There's a bill that passed in the House 359 yeas to 54 nays uh, for 2019, named after Senate Armed Services Chair John McCain. It is a House-Senate compromise bill, and it's heading to the Senate for fiscal year 19. It is a $708.1 billion, $708.1 billion, $708.1 billion package. Defense program. And according to Justin Amash, quote... This bill authorizes billions of dollars in spending on undeclared wars and wasteful programs, supports U.S. refueling of Saudi planes in the horrific Yemen war, and continues to condone the unconstitutional indefinite detention of Americans without charge or trial. I voted no. $708.1 billion. 359 yays. 254 nays. But we don't have a crap ton of money for other things. Hmm. Hmm. But you know what? Let's not be outraged over tariffs and the trade war and how stupidly it's working out right now. Uh... At, in this in this moment, at least anyway. Let's not focus on all that. Let's focus on, uh, I don't know, the Trump tapes between him and his lawyer, which was a big, fat nothing burger, but it took more attention on the Internet and on socialized media, and even somewhat in the news took way more attention over, I don't know, the serious stuff that actually needed focus. Now, uh, I tweeted out a couple days ago that this episode would include a good book that I've been reading, and uh, I want to split from the political talk now and uh, and call it call it a day for that because those those two those two key things right there uh, <laughs> are a mouthful to talk about the death of comedy and Trump tariffs. I've been reading uh, Jeff Shara. Jeff Shara, I love Jeff Shara. If you don't recognize that name, maybe you'll recognize the name Michael Shara. And if you don't recognize that name, maybe you'll recognize the book title, The Killer Angels, which was a book about the Battle of Gettysburg. Michael Shara wrote a prize-winning book in The Killer Angels, which was later used as the format for the movie Gettysburg that came out, I believe, in 1993, uh, which is a, a pretty damn good movie as well. But the book is amazing. Uh, Michael Shara wrote that book 
couple years later died, passed away. His son Jeff Shara went back and wrote Gods and Generals, the precursor to the Civil War and the beginning of the Civil War, then wrote sequel to Killer Angels. So he wrote the prequel to Killer Angels and the sequel to Killer Angels, um, the sequel being the last full measure, which is the end of the Civil War. He has a whole other Western campaign, Western theater series of the Civil War. He has books written on World War II, uh, the Korean War. He's very, very good at writing stories around actual history and keeping them somewhat true to the spirit of the characters that he's writing because the characters that he's writing are real people. And the guy does his research when it comes to this stuff. So uh, the book that I'm reading from him right now is called Rise to Rebellion, uh, which is about the American Revolution. It's actually the years leading up to the the revolution, the, the events. That, it encompasses the events that took place, including the Boston Massacre, including the, uh, the, the Boston Tea Party uh, and those events. And in reading this book, I have... Uh, everybody knows I, I'm a history buff and I, I love talking about the founders and I, I love some of the founding documents of this of this nation and I thrive and, and I live in them and I promote the ideas of them uh, because I believe them they're core values that I have they're pillars in my life um, and in my political philosophy so I get drenched in these things when I when I take the time and, and get sucked into them uh, and I'm drawing just just very interesting parallels between the time that we were breaking away from the great big British Empire and the king and and now. It is very, very weird. And uh, I read a lot more of the chapters while I was on vacation than I anticipated I even would. And I anticipated to pick up my reading on vacation, but I, I probably doubled what I normally would on vacation, which is which is quite an accomplishment, um, quite a feat, if you ask me. And I just want to read some of the passages that I've been highlighting that have been sticking out to me uh, that that seem so very relevant now, and I it's it's amazing. I, I have a Kindle Paperwhite uh, tablet, which you can take out at high noon. <laughs> in the brightest of the sun and read it clear as day. It looks just like a, a, a actual book page. And you can take it out there in, in the middle of the day and then in the middle of the night you can turn up the brightness and actually read it in, 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 in pure darkness. And the battery on it lasts literally for weeks um, at a time. It's an amazing little thing. And you can highlight and, and bookmark certain things that stick out to you when you're reading a book it's, it's, it's great um, so here's here's random quotes from it um, a chapter from John Adams point of view quote uh, there's an awful danger when people become accustomed to tyranny if the people learn to accept small abuses then larger abuses will follow it is like a disease crippling slowly until the body is beyond repair Think about our history, John, the times when we have risen up, protested the abuses, the sugar tax, the Stamp Act. When there are loud voices here, London hears them and they back down. 
But when the voices are quiet, London grows brave again, bringing more abuses, stretching their own laws, reaching their fingers ever so slowly into our pockets, our homes, our rights. It has been five years since the Stamp Act protests. That's a long time, and memories are regrettably short. It's been nearly two years since they imposed those ridiculous Townshend Acts. We made so much noise about that, they sent the army here. But despite all those conflicts, the outrageous taxation, the meddling in our affairs by Parliament, even the military occupation, to most people, it's all becoming normal. The people are getting used to being abused. That's an intolerable situation. Or an excerpt from a chapter... In Ben Franklin's perspective, quote, perhaps, the pro- perhaps that is the problem. This is your culture. We are not some primitive people who must accept your power, who have no choice but to kneel to your superiority. You have allowed us to grow strong, to build our own culture, to find our own identity and our own way in the world. You cannot suddenly decide to tax us, exploit us, drain our resources. You cannot do with us as you please. With your vast army and your great navy, you may have the power, but you do not have the right. And one more from a Ben Franklin chapter. Quote, They accept the corruption in their system because it's too deeply implanted. They populate their government with the first men who can buy their seat or who can grovel most effectively to the king. For some reason, when I was on my vacation, I drew interesting parallels and something awoke in me that says something something deep inside me says something's changing in America something's changed in the landscape something's changed and there's no more sitting around and waiting to see what happens because those are your options you sit and you wait to see what happens or you actively participate and drive the change that you believe needs to take place And that is something that I intend to be doing very shortly here through the means of my podcast and my blogging, my possible YouTube endeavors coming up. It's all things that's coming in. And before I cut off for the rest of the day, for a limited time only, might I add, uh, and it's going to be attached, it's going to be attached right here, uh, in the description of this podcast, you can get the first ever edition FritzCast t-shirt, uh, which I designed on teespring.com, and I might start uh, doing this periodically where I put out different uh, design products with uh, you know, cool catchphrases and FritzCast logos and all that, and uh, you can buy them, and I'll make a you know little bit of a profit off of them. I mean... I'm not making fully on them. I'm not producing them myself. I'm using these other means, so they take a profit as well. But, hey, you're helping me out a little bit. And you're looking snazzy with that Freedom shirt on. Right now it's a T-shirt and a tank top that's available. More products will be available. But check out the link in the description of this podcast. Guys, that's it for me. I love you. Take it easy this week, and I'll be back with a brand new episode next week.